Hi team and welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast episode 6. Most of you will have heard of UFC and MMA, mixed martial arts and of course with the rising fame of Conor McGregor that's made it a household name. Have you ever wondered what it takes to step inside the octagon and fight it out and slog it out? Well, our next guest has and he's also got to become the lightweight champion and has spent some serious, serious hours training to make that dream become a reality. Uh, Retired now, and now a top UK and world Masters athlete in the CrossFit scene. Let's dive straight in and listen to Lee. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his surname again. (laughs) And he's going to um, take us through his journey. It's a great podcast, very insightful. Follow us on Instagram at I am Chasing Discomfort. Let us know some of your comments and feedback on the podcast. It's always great to get some feedback, good or bad, so we can make some improvements, some suggestions. And yeah, enjoy. Here we go. Boom. Lee Vitalik. Is that right? Yes, mate. Yeah, buddy. How it? Welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Before we get into it, I just want to give you my little intro of yourself because ever since I met you, you've been a straight up savage. So going back to the fitness first days in Billericay, where yeah. you were outlifting all the grown men in there when you young lads sitting on this bench bumping up these 40 kilos doing strict shoulder press. And I was like, fucking hell, who's this dude? He's, he's pumping some serious weight out. And, <laughs> and then... The man moves on, and next thing you know, he's in a he's in a cage, knocking out people in a MMA, fighting around the world, putting on shows. Remember watching you coming to see you on some some good fights down there at Garen's Corner in your early days. Mm-hmm. And um, he sort of next thing you know, he pops up in the CrossFit gym and he's um, competing in CrossFit competitions internationally, nationally. He's, he's doing bits so. Um, yeah, welcome, mate. It's good to have you on. Yeah, cheers for having me, Jay. Appreciate it, man. To, to talk to me, have you got like a what, – what is your background? Did, was that your first sort of training days in fitness first or did you have an athletic background when you was younger? Uh, so growing up, I, I played like a lot of football, uh, played for a couple of sort of teams when I was younger. Uh, growing up, loved it. Absolutely loved football. Um, always out – when I was a kid, I was always active out playing with my friends, football, my bike, all that sort of like, – stuff no uh ipads iphones anything like that mate um yeah and then sort of as i've sort of grown up so from that i obviously enjoyed being competitive um and then i did one of it then i was went to secondary school started playing rugby at school um lucky enough um when i was about 14 15 i did motocross um for a bit of time obviously that's more individual um, was quite used to race schoolboy motocross. Uh, that was quite cool. Did that for about a year and a half, two years, something like that. Uh, then moving on from there, uh, I remember. I was when I was I was at school. I was never a big guy or anything like that. I was always actually quite upset. I was a small little, small little ginger kid. Um, and then, yeah, I just one day decided I didn't want to. I don't know, I just wanted to get a bit bigger. So I just started, I think it was when I just finished my last year uh, secondary school and I was going to go back to sixth form. So I remember going from there, 
hitting the gym, like all sort of like the, the six week summer like holidays. Went back to school and then um yeah man, I just from from there sort of things just picked up for me and started hitting like say like uh LA Fitness uh, in Bidariki, um where we met. Uh from there. You know, I can still remember that superset that you made me do for like a shoulder pump. So it was like lateral raises, um and I think shoulder press, and then you got the twenty kilo plate and literally done like um arm raises till till yeah. basically you, your arms fell off. And that was that was like one of the sick pumps that I, I ever used to fucking get in there. And that, and like going back to it, like looking back now, people will dress that up and say this is functional bodybuilding or this is like you know, they'll give it some new name. But back then it was just like just trying right. to get a pump. <laughs> yeah. Bro pump. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah then obviously we met there. Um, I think I started going there when I was like 18, 17, 18. Um, then for like a period of time, I was just going to the gym. Then, uh, I don't know, I think while I was doing that, but I was just just lifting weights. I had no other background in any sort of like form of like defending myself and all that. I thought oh, it'd be quite a good idea to sort of learn something to defend myself. Just, I don't know why, I just decided when I was younger, it was just a good idea. Um, and then sort of deciding what I wanted to do, like, sort of learn. Uh, one day I was watching, I can't remember if, it was, if I found it on the internet or what, but I see um, a UFC fight and it was Matt Hughes against Sean Shirk. They're not massive guys, they were like welterweights. And I, was, I just thought that looks like the most real sort of, I don't know, way of defending yourself, like most natural and, you know, there was nothing dressed up about it um, and then sort of just did a bit of searching come across um, a place in Southend uh, TSG fight school uh, by Dan Bazaar who runs that great guy um, an amazing coach um, yeah just went down there at first I was only going like once a week twice a week maybe um, then after a little while just started going a bit more yeah and then things just kind of snowballed from there man um, was going, was going there and basically Dan and his brother decided they was going to start their own MMA show. And I'd have been training too long, really. And it was like maybe like, it was under a year. And they just uh, basically said to me, do, do you fancy having a fight? Basically, on one of their shows. And uh, it was never my intention when I started there to do it. But I just kind of decided, oh, well, I've been doing it for however long opportunity so I just said yeah and it kind of thing just went from there really yeah but that sharpened your um, focus when you when you signed up for your first fight yeah things were a bit different then <laughs> yeah definitely a bit different so f from a very like novice view obviously I know the UFC I know I know there's some shows going on in the UK but from for someone who's not really got too much of an idea MMA mixed martial Arts, yeah. What what is the sort of main core? It there's there's some. So you've got obviously a fight can take place anywhere. Like on the well, I say like on the feet or on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got your sort of your main sort of stand up in terms of like you've got boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, uh, cry cry, um, and then you've got obviously the ground stuff, which is like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Jiu Jitsu. Uh, 
and then on top of that really the wrestling which is the kind of link between the two which will you can dictate if you want to be on the feet or on the ground if you can wrestle you know mm. so kind of, they're, they're, they're the main ones really so do you, do you find predominantly like people are coming in from one of these disciplines um, and then training the others or or is it quite common what you've done just go to an MMA gym and, and try and learn everything um so when I first started, you predominantly had like guys who were set in there more like you'd have guys who were strikers who would learn a bit of wrestling so they didn't get taken down. Um, or you'd have guys who would like jujitsu guys or judo guys and their aim would be to take you down. They wouldn't want to stand and, and trade, you know. Mm. So, um, but then you've got guys like me who just kind of just jumped in uh, head first and just tried to figure it all out. So what 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 was you most comfortable doing? Would you, you like the stand up game, or did you want to drag them to the floor? Um, so, for me, like when I was younger, I was I was obviously like in the gym a lot. And I was quite strong, um, so that was my kind of main. Like when I, in my early days, like forte, like was I would basically just want to get someone, get my hands on them, <laughs> and then like just pound on them really, just keep hitting them. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can uh, remember screaming my my top of my voice in Garen's corner, and you just ripped someone apart in about forty seconds. It was brutal. It was brutal. Um, so someone's given you opportunity. You said, "Yeah, let's get it on." Yeah. Fight one. Um, what, what what was going in your mind? Was you was you nervous? Was you excited? Was it all of those things? Uh, I'm, I'm straight up like I was nervous, man. Like no. Without a shadow of a doubt, like any anyone who, even like to my last fight, I'd always get nervous. It's natural. Um, yeah. Anyone who says they don't, you know, stuff, maybe something for me personally, I did. But um, I think over time you sort of learn to embrace it, you know, and you actually just get used to it. Mm. It's just a, another day, um, and that's just part of it. But the first fight, yeah, I'm not lie, I was bricking it. <laughs> like, I, I've, up to then, I've never even had a fight, you know. Um, yeah. In, in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, you didn't really know what to expect. You kind of just got put in this cage, um, like all of it, like even up to, to walking out. You kind of everyone's looking at you, but you don't want everyone to look at you. Is how I felt. You just kind of like the spotlights on you a bit. And uh, yeah, as soon as you go in there and they lock that door, it's just you, another guy, and the ref. It's it's a lonely place. Mm. But yeah, it was. Um, it's definitely one. Uh, interesting experience of life you know one 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 you learn from how long did your first fight last uh, 19 seconds <laughs> boom and it's over can you can you rely how, how, how much can you go back and visualize that fight can you sort of take yourself back to the ring you know can you can you walk yourself back through it or is it a bit of a blur um yeah, it's, I, I, I vaguely remember like warming up and stuff. Like, because of the nerves were for me personally were, were kicking in. My first fight mm. um, felt pretty weak, um, which is not how you want to feel before a fight. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, sort of, you're walking out, and it's like you you kind of make a decision that you're either in it or you're not. Mm -hmm. I was just making a decision. I'm in it. Um, yeah, when in went in there and kind of the beginning of the fight. So I knew, I, for me personally, when I I used to get, like go in there, like from my first fight to my last fight, I always did the same thing. I would just, as soon as I like 
start walking down the ramp or get into the cage. As soon as I like put my like, eyes on them, like lock eyes with them, whatever, I just that's 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 where I stay. Focus stays there, you know. Um, and then yeah, we just that was once once the bell goes. Um, I think anyone who's who's been in that situation will will sort of know after the first exchange or the first whatever happens, you just kind of go into autopilot really. Yeah, yeah things just it, you you just you just go, you know. You 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 do think you don't you're not totally an autopilot, but yeah. you just sort of naturally react because you, you're doing it all the time training, so it becomes like second nature, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you're what, what to talk me through your career? What what was your stats? Um, well, it was I know I had I believe I was twelve and four. I think, and I had one semi-pro win as well, which I had in the middle randomly because mm. I couldn't get me a fight. So um, I just took a semi-pro fight, which just meant that no head strikes on the floor. Right. Okay. And and for the for the rules for the pro rules, what probably be easier to sum up? What are you not allowed to do? You can obviously strike with your elbows. You can yeah, so, kick. Can you knee? Yes. Yeah, so over in this in uh, the UK, um, apart from one promotion I know of. You can, um, on the feet, you can, you know, as long as, if someone's wearing headphones, you can hit in front of that. Um, you can punch knee, elbow. Uh, you can't headbutt. Uh, you can't do groin strikes or like eye pokes, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's on the floor or they've got like, uh, I think it's like three points down. So say like if they're on two, they've got, both feet on the ground and a hand on the ground, you can't like strike to the head um, in terms of like a knee, but you can obviously hit them or elbow them. That's got to be a hard rule, isn't it? When you're grappling and on the floor. Yeah, just punch them with your fist. You can't go wrong. Like <laughs> a little elbow in there. Um, yeah, um, so when you're on the ground, uh, you, can't, you can't do like any sucker kicks to the head or stamps, um, but you can... Elbow, punch, knee, uh, yeah. But you can't, the only, one of the, the bigger rules is you can't do a 12 to 6 elbow, so like straight down. But you could do that and then twist it and that's okay. Um, but you can't really strike on the spine either. Um, yeah. And I think they're not, oh, I'm not sure if, um, to do with like takedowns as well, I don't think you can directly like intentionally try and like break someone's neck, you know, the way you slam someone. Um, yeah, I remember going. This is slight off a tangent here, but I remember going on a butchery course um, in one of the markets in London, and the guy uh, who was running it, he was sort of talking through gritted teeth for the first sort of hour or so, and um, I said to him, "You right? You got like a toothache or something?" He said, "Oh no, no. Um, I had a cage fight last night." And he said, "I was fighting this big, experienced Brazilian dude." And uh, he said, I won, I won. He said, but there was one point where he got me in this headlock. He said, but he, he was, it just felt like he was seconds away from just crushing my jaw. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, like you could really see, he was, he was doing the best that he could, but like you could just see he was in so much pain from, from this headlock. So what's the worst sort of injury that, that you've witnessed or had or, or been a part of? Personally, the worst thing I've had is uh, I actually got in training. Someone stamped on my foot and broke my toe, <laughs> um, which 
was an accident because we was wrestling, so he kind of reacted and stamped. Mm. Um, I've seen, um, I've seen live. Uh, I've seen people like get choked out and stuff like that, unconscious. Um, I've choked people out unconscious. Uh, I don't really think that's. I don't know. After after getting used to it in that environment, that's not too big of a deal. <laughs> um, yeah. But, well, uh, in terms of, anything else, I've not seen anything too bad, I don't think. I've seen like, I mean, I've got a, a couple of friends who ended up fighting each other. They're both heavyweights. Mm. And um, like you're saying about things you witness, I remember watching them fight. And uh, so that's my friend Neil and my friend Stav. And uh, me and Stav fought for the same team. So I was in like uh, Stav's corner. And I remember like they was having a great fight and in the second round, um, like Neil's a big, big South African guy and Stab's a big like Cypriot guy. And um so they're they're both like around a 130 kilo mark. And in the, the second round, I remember just I've never I've, I've never heard anything like it personally, but um Stab was going forwards and Neil threw this like haymaker of an overhand right. And the noise it made the thud, it was just, I've never heard anything like it. And, and uh, like, if there's any other person, you know they would be, like, out cold. Mm. But my friend Steph just took it and just kept going forwards. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. And I remember speaking to Steph after the fight, and I was like, I remember that uh, shot you took, and he was like, yeah, I'll see double for the rest of the round. <laughs> it was a bit, you know, I've never seen anyone take a shot like that. Yeah. This is um, Steph the Crazy Bear, yeah? That's it, yeah. Yeah. I remember him um, back in the early days. He was a bit like, for, for me, like, um, and this is going to sound total novice going to a man like you, but do you remember E Honda? Yeah. The Street Fighter game. Yeah. He used to just like smack people up. Uh, and it, it, it was like, you knew it was coming and the crowd knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, he used to just like demolish people. You, you wouldn't think a, a guy like Stav would have the cardio he had and because uh, he was. He's called a crazy bear, so he looks like a bear with a bit of a, a belly. But honestly, he uh, he hits hard. He uh, his cardio was ridiculous for such a big guy, and he is such a nice guy as well. You know, I still keep in contact with him. He's, mm. yeah, he's a nice is, guy. Is there a lot of good mutual respect amongst the fighters? Yeah, I think you, you like any sport, you do get a bit of bad blood between some. But you know, it's uh, we'll get in there, do what we've got to do, and then. For the most part, of it, everyone's everyone's cool after you know. Well, I haven't well, had a view of many of the guys. I thought, yeah, that's no, good. It's it's like a modern day life gladiator sport, isn't it? Mm. You've, got, you've got the people around the cage drinking and shouting out obscenities and you know paying their money because they wanna they wanna see some blood spilled, and then you've got you know the the modern day warriors inside preparing to stand and trade it out and go toe to toe and. and you know, uh, it sounds to to some people maybe a little bit over the top or dramatic, but potentially, you know, you are putting putting your life on the line every time you step into that that cage. You know, it's yeah, could be lifelong injuries that, that come off the back of it. Did yeah. that at any point ever cross your mind? Yeah, um, like I'd say. So I'm against things like plastic surgery and things like that. But if uh, there was two things I said I'd have, I'd have done, that was if my nose was, was a mess or my ears. But luckily, I, like my nose, I never broke it once. And mm -hmm. um, 
my ear. I did. I, I've got a bit of a, a cauliflower ear going on. You might be able to see it, but um, it's like pretty solid. But that blew up. But that went down. And uh, yeah, I remember when I got that cauliflower ear. Just um, I just went to my friend's house. Managed to get a needle off one of the guys at the gym, <laughs> and uh, just went, "Please drain this for me. It's so painful." It was, yeah. and my friend was, yeah, he did it for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, funny little story. What, like a build up of fluid, like from inflammation. So it's just like a blister, basically. Um, it's, but to say it's painful is is an understatement. It's it's like it's if someone touches it, it's so sore. Yeah, you feel it throbbing away a bit. Mm. So sleeping and things like that was difficult. Yeah. So obviously, the more you got into it, and me knowing you the way that I do, the person that you are, I can just imagine that you would just live this sort of dedicated, almost like monk-like MMA life, where you you was like you say you're all in, you're a hundred percent all in. If you're going to do something, you're going to mm. probably. Um, how much sort of notice would you get for a fight? Generally, like the minimum you get is, uh, I suppose, eight weeks. Mm. Depending on, so oh, well, I was lucky enough that I, I fought uh, for Dan and Alex's show UWC. Um, I'd get like a, a decent amount of time normally. Um, plus, I, I would just generally train anyway, just to, you know, I, when I first started, you train as much as possible. You're learning all the time, you know. Even even up to now, you'd still be learning if I was still doing it. Mm. Um, it's just the sport evolves, and you need to evolve with it, you know. And it's not like it was when I first started now, everyone can do everything. And yeah. So I suppose I took, I took one fight on four weeks notice. Um, but generally I'd, I'd get a good 10, 12 weeks notice. Maybe, maybe even more than that. I've, I think I've done fight camps that have been like 16 weeks before. Right. So, so what weight did you fight at? Uh, when I, my first fight, I was at middleweight. Um, that was like, I was just under 84 kilo. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I dropped to 77. And then... Was that uh, a hard move, dropping that? Uh, at first, yeah, because I, I, I didn't know what I was doing in terms of dieting and things like that. I'd never... When I was like lifting weights and trying to get bigger, I was just eating as much as I could and, you know, just trying to get bigger. Like, you generally eat big to get big. Um, but then when you've you're doing the total two total opposite things. You're trying to get fit, so a lot more cardio, um, as well as lifting the weights and stuff to stay strong. And then, um, obviously, doing the MMA as well, like the, the overall the wrestling, jiu jitsu, the sparring, the you know all that. Um, yeah, it was. I think my second fight is when I actually went to 77, and I think I weighed in at like 75. Um, so I was I was massively under. Mm. Um, just because I had no idea what I was doing uh, to drop the weight. Um, How then, so the weigh-in is? Is it before fight night? Yes, yeah, so it's like twenty-four hours before, really. Right. And did you pack much more on after that weigh? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> sounds like a story. So when I was uh, fighting a uh, middleweight, I wouldn't really change. I'd go up a tiny bit, maybe a kilo, something like nothing. Um, when I was fighting at welterweight, I'd normally go up to around the 83 mark after weighing at 77. Um, but when I used to fight, um, I'd quite, uh, you know, I was UWC lightweight champion. And um, so I dropped to 70 kilo. So when I'd 
that that for me was a tough cut, you know, especially as you get a bit older, it gets harder. Um, mm. Even though I was still in my 20s, you know, in early 30s, it was hard. Um, and yeah, I'd, so I'd weigh in at like 70 kilo, but by the time I go to fight the next day, probably, probably won't believe this, but I'd be like another 12 kilo heavier, I'd be like 82. Wow. It just you, I'd, I'd like dehydrate so much. It's you, you just look gaunt and your eyes are all black and all sucked in. But um, yeah, put on a, a pretty decent amount of weight. And by the time it comes back to fight night, did you did you feel like your energy was there, or you know, did you feel firing on all cylinders? Yeah, so it, it depends for for, for me um, how my dieting went before. So <laughs> when I was actually fighting at uh, seventy kilo like lightweight, the the fight was was the easy part. The, for me, the the actual the real fight was making the weight. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have done it. Know exactly what I'm I'm talking about. It's it's not nice. There's nothing glamorous about it. Um, people see kind of the the fight night when you're you either win lose like you get your hand raised and you know you get out party afterwards. That's that's cool. That's nice. That's that's a little treat. But um, when you've got like eight weeks or 10 or 12, depending on how much you've got to lose, it's grim. There's, there's nothing glamorous about it. Um, there's, there's nothing nice about it. It's, it's a choice you make and you just dig in and get it done, you know? Um, so, yeah, if I had a good cut and I didn't have to cut, i say cut too much water weight, it wouldn't be too bad. But um, I think when, when I fought for Bama, I cut um, six, six kilo of, of uh, water weight and that was... When I went to fight the next day, I felt okay, like leading up to it, because you don't really, well, you don't really know until you start start fighting what's how you're actually going to perform mm. in terms of how you feel after a big weight cut like that. And I remember just in the first sort of thirty seconds, like we kind of like I think I he, he may maybe hit me once or twice, and like hit him with a few kicks, and then I just shot him for a takedown, picked him up, was going to drop him like from all the way up, like picked him up off the cage. Uh, he grabbed the cage, so he didn't take too much of an impact. Um, but yeah, after that, I, I could tell that uh, you know I'd had a pretty bad wake up. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it, you know I don't regret it, and I, you can't blame that for, for like for me personally. I, I would never blame that for losing. Mm. It's, that's that's part and parcel of it. And if you lose, you lose. You know that's your decision. You've made it. You just got to accept it. But yeah. So talk me through one of these weight cuts then. Like how, how would you approach, like, um, obviously you, you're training, you're in fight camp, you, you're, you're obviously, like you say, you're still learning with your martial arts work and your sparring, but mm -hmm. you've also got to build your cardio up. So, you, you know, you're getting on fight night, you're ready to go potentially, what, what five rounds? Uh, well, if it's champion, championship fight, yeah. Um, but mainly over here, it's just it mainly get three fives, but... Uh, Championship rounds in like for Bama, you do like a five-five, mm -hmm. but mainly over here it'd be three fives for the smaller shows. And so, so how would how would you do that? Because obviously you've got to fuel your training, um, but like you say, you've got to consciously bring the kilos down because you've got to make sure that you you weigh in or your your fights off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'd always always aim for a minimum of like uh, really when I was a lightweight like a. 12 to 14 week, week camp. Um, so, like I say, for me, the fight was getting down to weight, um, something like that. I'd, I'd probably be walking around at around, 
after a fight, I, I used to balloon up quite a lot. I'd go like close to 90 kilos sometimes. Um, because you deprive yourself so much when you get the chance to eat. Um, you know, I, I was greedy and I ate a lot. Um, I'll just eat as much as I could. Um, but yeah, so then I'd, you'd wait to come down naturally anyway, and I'd maybe be like around the 85 mark, 84. And then, yeah, just diet. And I had a, a brilliant, I had two guys actually who were brilliant uh, strength conditioning coaches. Who were, so I, I heard about them when I was fighting in 2010. One of them, one of the other guys I used to train with and fight with in my team, he, he said, Lee, go see this guy. He, he will, you won't believe how much he'll help you. So I went and see this guy called Craig Maddox. Uh, at the time, he had Excel Health and Performance in Leon C. And uh, yeah, I just, whatever he told me to do, I did. And I'd never had a strength conditioning coach before. Mm. Um, and for me, like when I found these guys, it, it, it totally transformed my like my whole like fighting game. Mm. So I would, yeah, basically just follow to a team where they told me to eat, drink. Um, and we'd have sort of like, I'd always be able to contact them by phone and things like that. Um, and yeah, so I'd basically try and diet down as, as low as I could to like the, uh, close, close to the weight as I could normally, if I could get down to like walking around at like 77 to 75, like if I could get near 75, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'd be, yeah, be a water cut off that, which wasn't particularly nice. But when, when you say water cut off that, is that just, are you fasting? You just, no water whatsoever? I would do uh, water loading. Hmm. So if I was weighing in the, the Friday, the Saturday before, I think it was, I'm trying to remember now, but I would do things like, so my water intake, I'd go up to like nine, nine litres of water that day. Um, I'll be taking vitamin C with that and yeah, just sort of drinking as much as you can and the feeling of that is it makes you feel a bit dizzy. It's for me. It was, it was really weird. Um, but you just constantly go to like the toilet. So you go from nine, I'll, I'll roughly try and remember this, nine, seven the next day, down to like oh, five, something like that. Then three, then one and a half. Then you'd have a day where you would just like try not to drink at all. And then the next day, would be weighing day. Mm. Basically, you're you're tricking your body into going to the toilet all the time, like taking the vitamin C and um, just drinking so much that your body just gets used to it, and mm. your body just keeps flushing it out. And uh, yeah, you do that along with um, jumping like a hot tub or something like a, a day or two before. Because for me personally, saunas didn't really work that well, so I used to jump in a hot tub. Mm. And that worked really well, um, and it was like twice as quick as well so that was the one time that hot tub's never been pleasurable at all <laughs> um but yeah it was uh yeah and then just keep checking the weight as you go but I, obviously i would have like a weigh-in every friday on the lead up to my weigh-in and then just see where we're at mm. but yeah the last week was always always a big one and so so food wise then was you always in a deficit yeah without without a doubt um so i'd have like I say, like we were waiting once a week and things like that. Like I'd always be checking my weight on a Friday, sort of keep it on weighing day because you always used to fight on a Saturday. Um, and I'd have maybe once, depending on how, where we was at with the weight, one day a week would be kind of like a cheat meal, but I would personally do a cheat day. 
because I used to crave that bad that I used to break. And once I broke, that was it. Um, and like maybe when I was really cutting weight, like at the 70 kilos, I'd have like maybe one one day a week where I'd have like two meals with carbs, as in sweet potato or oats, um, and maybe another bowl of oats another day. The rest of it was pretty much just chicken and broccoli, to be fair. And it was so bland and boring. It's, it's, and uh, that's, that's what you're having for breakfast, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not fun, is it? Like, no. um, you know, I've done some disciplined diets in the past and it sounds great, but when you're when you're day 20 into something and like you look around all the temptations around you and you know you just you just kill for a bit of like sweetness or a bit of sugary taste all i wanted was just some plain oats nothing nothing fancy just some carbs just to make you feel better honestly yeah so did you did you manipulate did you use like sodium and salts when you was cutting weight losing weight so um, I'd always put things like Himalayan salt in my water uh, when I was training and stuff just to help replenish. But um, when I was cutting weight, I would just, yeah, I'd no no salt in the water or anything like that. And just, I didn't really, I just did what they told me, if I'm honest. I didn't know that much about it. And yeah, it was a learning experience as you go kind of thing for me. So you make weight, you weigh in, you hit, you hit your number. What's next? You go, do you reach for the nearest bowl of porridge and oats? And oh, well, I, I see, I'd, uh, the first thing I'd do is be just drinking so much water and uh, coconut water, just try and get like the electrolytes back in, um, even like diolites, things like that. Um, yeah, and then I would just, I would just eat quite a lot. <laughs> but um, it's when you've been like dropping that much weight, um, it's difficult because your body's obviously not used to taking on big meals and stuff. So you just kind of constantly eat, but yeah, but then your body getting used to, you know, using it all again and working again, if you like how it should. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird thing. And you typically fight in the evening, right? Yep. So most, most of my fights were like after 10. Mm. Main event. Main event. <laughs> and was you ever able to mimic that in training or was it, it you know, because tough with the gyms closing at a certain time. Uh, my, well, I used to always train in the evening anyway. So for me, I typically I would train of a morning like cardio or strength conditioning with uh, Craig or Dan, mm-hmm. and then of an evening I'd be going to jujitsu or resting or sparring. Um, so generally, I'd be training like seven eights anyway. So yeah, an hour or two difference in the end of the world you know mm-hmm. so fight fight day yep would, would you have a decent night's kip the night before or would you sort of wake up early was it on your mind or could no i'd, I'd always sleep um they, well I'll, I'll be honest i can't remember when i first started but i know once i'd uh yeah because i got more confident when i was uh getting strength conditioning coaching from uh, Dan Osmond and, and Craig Maddox. Once I got that, and after the first fight with that, and I was just like, just feel so fit. Like even, like, you know, I could just constantly like go is how I felt. Like, I felt unlimited. Um, yeah, then I would just, I don't know, you just, I had a lot of faith in like the team around me and stuff and, and in myself. Like if you don't believe in yourself, then, you know, that's not the, the sport for you. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, I would say after a big like weight cut, like I say, you know, you're, you're going to be tired anyway. So I used to sleep pretty, pretty good towards the end, uh, before, before a fight, like the night before. And I would, uh, always get a little sleeping before I actually fought that night. I'd always like go back out the back and just go to sleep for a bit. Having that. Reach out. Well, gonna, you know, people walk around like all anxious and nervous. And I'll save my energy for when I need it, you know? Yeah, that's a great tactic. So I'm really intrigued about the strength and conditioning stuff because it was obviously pivotal in, in your career. Mm. Um, what, what sort of workouts or what sort of things would those guys get you to do? <clears throat> so, oh, we, we'd um, like sort of periodize the, the training. So it starts with be, be getting stronger. So we'd have like a, say, three, four-week blocks. They kind of merged, but that's kind of the, the base you worked up of. Like you'd uh, the first four weeks, you'd be squatting, deadlifting, and benching a lot. Basically, the, the compound stuff. Yeah. Uh, plus, they'd be throwing other stuff to make you stronger. And we'd always do extras like a, a smash a five hundred meter row at the end. And plus, there'd be stuff at the beginning, you know, agility stuff, which is, was constant anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, then, sort of in after you do the, the strength, you turn it into sort of like power, if you like, where you'll you'll do like a, a I don't know squats, and you'll go straight into box jumps, and then lunges things like that, just kind of getting the legs used to not just being strong but then moving constantly and you know being real like bouncy if you like like do a lot of bounding and things like that um like explosive biometric stuff yeah exactly um and then the last sort of four weeks was just all out put it all together and just hit some some monster like what like circuits if you like mm. so i'd base a lot a lot of my circuits would be based in like because that's three five minute rounds We'd go for like six minute rounds and we try and cut down the rest in between. So I used to like use a heart rate monitor and just, yeah, just keep an eye on that, see how, see how I was re- recovering and things like that. And yeah, it, it worked well with them, those guys. They, you know, they, I can't express how, how well and how, how much they stood beside me as, as, you know, as great, great coaches. Yeah. Hey, guys, still going, are they? Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got, uh, Dan Osmond, he's he primarily primarily works offline now, I believe. But um, you'll find him on Instagram at um, I think it's at Ace Performance Dan or something along that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Craig Maddox, who he's primarily primarily sort of like I think he does PT still, um, but he, he works offline as well. Um, and I believe he's on Instagram. You'll be able to find him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they great guys. So you, you you piece it together. How many times were you, were you sparring a, a week in the lead up to fights? So do you want me to run you through like a typical week of like my training? Yeah, yeah. starving. So on a, a Monday, say I'd in the morning I'd go train. It'd be uh, that would be my own session, but it'd be down at Excel. Um, It'd be like more like a cardio and just moving, you know, a lot of kettlebell stuff, um, and then a lot of Tabata stuff. But I'd always do five minutes, not like the four minute stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of sprints, um, and then some general sort of like just steady pace stuff. Uh, then in the evening, it'd be normally you'd do an hour, hour and a half of jujitsu, but I'd always do it without the gi because um, it's more realistic to what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that maybe hip pads or spa uh, for like half an hour to an hour 
Tuesdays would be strength conditioning with either Dan or Craig, whoever I was working with at the time in that fight camp. Um, that'd be basically an hour and I would just go in and whatever they tell me to do, no questions, I'll just do it. Uh, and then Tuesday uh, evenings was wrestling, wrestling for an hour and a half, which I used to love. Wrestling was like my probably my favourite uh, discipline of the sport. Um, and then a Wednesday would be, again, same thing as Monday morning, just move, you know, do some sprints to partners, just keep moving. And then uh, Wednesday evening would be like your, the resting and sparring, which is like a big session. Uh, every, anyone who was fighting, if they wasn't there, they was, you know, I was missing out. It was, I've had some, some mega sparring sessions. It's been brilliant. Uh, Thursday again, just get up. I think on Thursday I would again have a strength conditioning session with either Dan or Craig. Again, whatever they tell, whatever phase we're in, but if, even if we're not, we're just you know getting some extra sessions in. Whatever they tell me to do, I did. Uh, Thursday evening again was jujitsu, and then again some either half an hour of pads or half an hour to an hour of pads and sparring. Friday would be uh, do my own thing in the morning, just go train, uh, same as I would do on like a Monday. Saturday morning was sparring, uh, jiu-jitsu, resting, the whole, whatever we wanted to work on, we could work on at that time with Dan down at TSG. And then a Sunday would be uh, a big morning session down at Excel where quite a few of the fighters ended up going uh, from our, our fight team. And Craig would uh, put on like a, he's got a warrior conditioning sort of circuit and we'd just do like some, some cool circuits and yeah, loads of different stuff, which was fun. Big tire, like strongman circuits as well, like big tire flipping and mm. all that sort of stuff. It was cool. And what happened on a Sunday? <laughs> that, that was Sunday. Oh, that was Sunday, shit. Was Sunday. So you, you were seven days, there was stuff going on every single day, sometimes twice a day. Yeah. What, what was you doing for recovery? What recovery? Is that there was just no, you know, you just get on with it. If you felt if you felt beat up, you just moved until that feeling went away. Yeah, I guess like the Friday, if you like, that was like an active recovery, just go in and move. Mm. But it was uh, everything you did kind of had a purpose, you know. It's just um, when you're going to fight someone, it's pretty motivating to to make you get up and move, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really ever have an issue of getting to the gym or anything like that. How some people used to miss it, I don't know, personally, but I never used to miss anything. And did you ever listen to your body throughout any of that? You know, like if, if something was really hurting or, or you just get Yeah. On? Yeah, so I used to get a bit of a bad back from it all. Um, so I would, I would listen to that. I'd, I'd have like maybe massage once or twice a week as well. Um, when I'm down at Excel, they have like a couple of therapists there. They'd all help me out. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, and if, if if I did need a day off, which, you know, you do every now and then, I'll, I'll take a day off. Mm. It, it wouldn't be on like a day when I'm sparring or anything like that. You know, yeah. I miss like a, a, such a important day for me during the week, you know. That's like your tune-up, isn't it, really? Like that's that's your, as close as you're going to get, I suppose, to you know, without the adrenaline or, or the sort of hype of the night, you know, yeah. when you're in their sparring is as close you're going to get to fight night. 
Yeah, I mean, we used to do things like uh, the shark tank. So you'd have like, if you'd all take your turn in the middle and every like minute and a half, two minutes, you'd get a fresh guy coming and you just keep going, you know, things like that. That was, that was some fun times. How long would it last for? Oh, so you'd do like, uh, I don't even know, Dan used to, to call it and I don't even know if the time we're going or not, you just to keep going. <laughs> we had some mad, you know, some people talk about, oh, we're going, we'll go do like, uh, like five, five rounds of spine. We we did, I don't know how many rounds of spine. Dan used to just whack the clock on and that was it. We'd do five minute rounds and you would just keep changing partners all evening and it'd be like for the first... I know half an hour be resting, like this is on a Wednesday or a Saturday. Mm. And then after that, it was just like all out MMA sparring, but in, the, in big boxing gloves and shin guards. And uh, yeah, you'd be, you just go for it. And it was, it was fun. It was fun, that's for sure. Mm. It was, yeah, you'd, you'd be in these big gloves, you could take people down and pound them on the ground. You know, it was, it was, it was good fun, man. So talk, talk me through your fighting career, uh, Lee, because I know you've had some real high nights and, and you've you know come a long way on from the stage that I used to watch you on. Mm. Um, you know, Talk to me about some of your greatest achievements and proudest moments of, as a fighter. Um, I think uh, maybe... Yeah, so when I... My, my, my main goal, because I never, I never planned on doing it, it just kind of happened and snowballed. Because I just wanted to uh, win, a, win a title, and I managed to do that um, at lightweight uh, UWC. Um, that was really cool, and that was yeah. I, I appreciate the opportunities I got there to get there, um, and like everyone that helped me. Yeah. And then after that, um, also I managed a loss on that. So for me, that was that was a a bit of a you know silver lining on that cloud. Um, Talk me through that. So. I, uh, the guy I beat, I fought previously and lost to, um, I can't remember what, how, how long before it was, but, um, I think it was like seven shows before. So maybe like a year or two before, two, probably two years before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I lost, I didn't, I thought that personally, even though I was getting hit, I thought the ref stopped it pretty early, but you know, you, you, you can't really argue it. They're there for your safety. And but at the time, you know, I wasn't best pleased, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. And, yeah, I got the opportunity to to fight the guy again. Um, and funny enough, in the second fight, he dropped me pretty much within the first sort of like 30, 40 seconds because uh, I was getting a bit impatient. So I rushed in, silly, silly mistake. Um, and then after that, I just, yeah, I just went back to, you know, the bread and butter stuff of I was a strong guy. So I just used to start picking him up, slamming him, resting him. Um, yeah, and then ended up winning by decision on that one. Um, and then I think fighting out in Abu Dhabi was pretty cool. Uh, ADFC three. Mm-hmm. Um, I initially I almost never fought there because uh, my original opponent I think maybe only like a couple of weeks out um, I was meant to fight this guy called um, I think it was Floyan something like that uh, a Thai or Filipino guy and mm-hmm. he was he was, uh, he was doing really well um, had a good record. He was, you know, he's a tough guy. Um, and he was like a Muay Thai base. So obviously I was going to, he was going to try and stand. I was going to try and take him down. But unfortunately that one, you know, I think he had visa issues or something. So that, that ended up not going ahead. And they ended up oh, a couple of days later after I found out, got me a replacement. Um, 
but that was the whole experience. That was nice. It was it was very cool. Um, just you know, getting flown out to Abu Dhabi. Um, it's a bit different to fighting over here. We was getting picked up in like these these big mercs and driven about, and it was it was it was just a nice experience, you know. Mm. Um, what was it like adjusting to sort of like the heat and the time zone? Uh, again, I was cutting weight then, so for me, <laughs> I was uh, the I didn't really enjoy the week. I enjoyed yeah. it after I cut the weight. Um, mm. And start could start eating again, and then yeah, like like I think the uh, the guy I thought he was a bit surprised how big I was on fight night because uh, I was quite a bit bigger than him. Mm. Uh, but then yeah, that was that was a fun experience. That that was a quick one for me again, twenty six seconds. Um, yeah, it paid for overtime. Um, and then yeah, I fought uh, Wembley for Bama. You know that was a. That's a good experience. Uh, fought a, a tough guy. And I lost that one. Um, that is where I had my like the weight guy I was talking about. It was quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I don't. You can't use that as an excuse, you know. That's that's what happens, you know. Um, as long as you make the weight, then you're there to fight. Um, yeah, that, but even even still, it was, it was a good experience. It was unfortunately I lost, and you know, he was he was a good guy, experienced guy, and what happened happened, you know. He beat me on the decision, so. But yeah, I'd, st- I'd still say that was a, a good one fight at Wembley. Um, then after that one, I ha- only had one more fight after that in 2015. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. They're, they're sort of my, my, my three sort of highlights, if you like. Or, yeah. So what was the decision to um, hang up your gloves and, and not fight anymore? Um, well, it's, it got to a point where, you know, I've been doing it about 10 years. I decided if it wasn't going to take off by then, then uh, you know at some point you've got to, you've got to call it because you know you 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 can't keep getting hit like in the head that that much and you know potential of like getting any sort of damage overall or anything like that. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to end up not being able to have you know a, a nice future. Um, so yeah, I just kind of made the decision that you know I, I, had, I had a good job. Um, I'm still at the same place now, um, progressing there, and just kind of decided to, you know, try and focus on that more, and you know, give give myself a future, if you like. Mm. How did you feel post fight? You know, like a, a long hard fight. Did you ever experience like concussion, or you know, how beat up did you feel after a real tough fight? Um, I think. After the Bama fight, that's the first time I've ever had anything like my knees ached. Um, they just like my joints. It was really weird. Um, but generally, you know, um, it'd just be uh, like, I remember, it's just if you get lumps and bumps, you know, bruises, um, like clashing shins, get nice sort of like golf size, golf ball size lumps in your shin and having to take to go down. Or I remember kicking a guy in the hip, missed his leg, got him in the hip bone. That must have swelled up pretty big then. Um <laughs> Do you feel that at the time, or is it because the adrenaline's rushing? You just you're in fight mode. Uh, things like shin on shin, it hurts. Mm. That's worse than getting hit in the face to me personally. Right. Uh, or when I kick that guy in the, the hip, that I knew at the time that hurt, um, and my my foot instantly sort of swelled. Mm. So um, yeah, it was. But generally, at the time, like you don't really feel anything because you're one, you're where you train and you do it all the time. You know, it's just it's. It's normal to you, like you, you're conditioned to it. Yeah, uh, your body gets conditioned anyway, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just 
yeah, wouldn't really at the time didn't really feel anything. It's I think when people say like I personally I think like when people say oh like you got hit and it hurt I, when I used to get hit I didn't really I don't know if I didn't get hit hard enough maybe I don't know or clean enough but I've, I've been rocked but it's never really hurt but it's just sort of the shock of it once yeah. you get it's not too bad but I've, I've been hitting like sin stars and been hit and everything's flashed yellow or grey all that fun stuff. I remember sparring and um, like Oh, well, I'll never forget this sound anyway from Mike Tyson, but everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's like that first jab or that first punch. Yeah. And it's like, here we go, bite down on the on the guard. And like, you know, you get stuck in. That's, that's, that was almost like I needed a jab to be able to crack on. But I always remember when I was taking like a big shot or, or a dig, I'd get this like flash of light behind my eyes. Yeah. And, um, it like you say, it never used to really hurt at the time, but you knew you knew you'd taken the dig. Yeah. Um, but it was just that sort of like warning shot to say, like, come on, fucking throw back now. Don't take any more of them. You got to switch on. Yeah. yeah. So, like, like I was saying, like with with the that kind of goes in line with the nerves of it. When when you were spying, as soon as the first exchange was over, like then you was like, yeah, now it's you know go time for kind of thing, but. Yeah, I mean those small gloves. If you get like hit in that first exchange and you're out, then you know it's a bit different. Yeah. So, did you ever like um, work with any sort of sports psychology guys? Do any sort of mental game work? Or I know you said you had strong belief in yourself. You believed in your own ability and your conditioning and your training. Did you ever do any sort of direct psychological work with anyone? No, not I. Back in the day when I was first started, I uh, had a hypnotherapist try and help me with my nerves, but that was only something I, I never uh, chased it up. Someone said to me, oh, do you want to go to it? And I was, oh, okay. Sort of, I went there one or two sessions, but it didn't really do anything for me, I don't think. Um, mm. Sort of, it just comes over time that, you know, just experience and stuff. You just, you get used to it and it is what it is. What's the, what's the sort of craziest thing you've done in training for a fight? I've just got... So for some reason, got this mad mental picture of you like kicking a concrete block and you know punching your hands into bags of sand to toughen up your knuckles and stuff like that. But what more uh, craziest thing do you look back and think? You know, you sort of laugh at it now. Um, all the rounds of sparring we used to do, like on that Wednesday sparring, that was that was pretty crazy. Like that's that's pretty that was that was fun. I can only describe that as fun because you know you, you do something because you love it, really. Um, yeah. Like when I used to do it, it was never about uh, money or anything. Like if it was, I don't really want to be doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that and I think do you, do you remember there was like the they were a gimmick really, but they was great. Like the uh, the training mask used to get. Yeah. So yeah. I had the first one and the second one, and I remember like doing like a interval rowing session with uh, with it on once, mm. and I remember like sitting on the row. So you do like a thousand meters, one minute rest. 750 one minute rest, 500 one minute rest, 300 minute rest, 200 minute rest, and you do three 100s with like 20 second rest between. Mm. And uh, I remember doing that with one of these masks on and just basically after doing like, I can't remember what interval I was on, but just thinking I'm going to go, I like pass out because they don't, they don't really like a simulate uh, elevation. They just restrict your breathing. Mm -hmm. So 
which is a good thing because then you you know when you're in a fight and you're you're puffing away you know it, it was a good tool for me then really I think um but yeah I remember doing that and uh, like doing sprints on a treadmill and just sometimes just thinking I'm going to pass out but um yeah I, I think that's that that's brings to mind and like people had seen me in the gym like in the strength conditioning gym doing that at Excel and uh yeah you'd be breathing like Darth Vader through that thing but yeah it's funny but even back in the day, I remember you doing like minute sprints, minute jog on the treadmill mm. in like the gym in the early days. What what sort of pushed you to experiment with that type of training? Was you following programs? Have you seen anything? Uh, I think mainly, like I said, uh, what got me into it was um, seeing Matt Hughes and Sean Shirk. So Sean Shirk was, I think he was sponsored by like Training Master, helped develop it. Yeah. And uh, I was seeing with it, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have a little play with it, see what happens. And um, one of the people who sponsored me at the time sent me one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just had a little, why not? It can't hurt to have a, to, to see what it, if it works or not. And I think for me, it helped. Um, just like I say, just with the, not so much simulating like elevation, but just with the restrictions. So, you know, you're, like if someone's got you in a choke and you've got a gap and start fighting, you know, you're short of breath. So if you're used to that already, then, you know, your body's going to be able to work. So for me, for me, it worked anyway. Yeah. So, fast forward then. This, um, this, what, what was it like when you sort of, you know, retired from from your fighting career? Was there like a bit of a, a bit of a, a blues about it? Was you getting a bit down because you, you know, you'd sort of, even though you've made that decision, you know, something that you so passionate about and love for ten plus years. Yeah, that that part of your life had gone. I mean. I've never outright said to anyone I've retired, you know, the... Uh, oh, he's still in the game. Because, <laughs> oh, you know, once it's in you and you're competitive like that, I've many a time I've, I've been speaking to like my uh, mother half and say, oh, I do quite fancy again. But then I think about the, what goes with it and how much you sacrifice. And it is, you know, doing that sort of thing is selfish. You know, it is selfish because you're, you're doing it for, for you, for your own... You'd call it your own, your own ego, I guess, maybe, or I don't, I don't know. But it's for me, it's something in me that I'm, I'm competitive. I love being competitive, and yeah, I just want to get into something that I can attack, you know. So yeah. that was, but yeah, like I said, I, don't, I never actually really enjoyed fighting as such, but I enjoyed how competitive it was and how the elements to it. Where you had to be fit, you had to be skillful, you had to, you know, think about what you was doing and. But then again, you'd go on autopilot, and there's just so many different elements to it, like your dieting. I, I, I enjoyed like, the, uh, the variation of it. Mm. So, yeah. Talk to me about back, being backstage. Was there a lot of shenanigans going on? Was there like coaches trying to put other fighters off? Was there any silly games about, you know, taking someone's water bottle or, you know, hiding this or? Uh, not really. Um, for me, like later on in my, my career, I was. I was asleep, so <laughs> <laughs> once I had my medical, I'd go go in my changing room with like the other guys, and uh, we just we'd all just chill, you know, like chill, eat, sleep, have a laugh. It was yeah, we was all in there. It was it was like a we was it was like a, a uh, it was like a band of brothers, you know. We was yeah. all together, and you know, we, we all know what everyone was about to go through, but uh, we was all there because we wanted to be there, and we enjoyed it. 
I, I sort of got this feeling like you're all there, you know why you're there, you know what's coming, but it's almost like you're just trying to relax and chill and make it as normal as possible for everyone to like just you know, just naturally reassure people that it, you were just chilling out backstage and, oh, right, he's up next, go and, you know, go and get him and, and like, yeah. supporting each other, being there for everyone. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it was like. Um, everyone's slightly different in their, their approach when it's time to step up, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I think me personally, I was quite, quite reserved and I would just have a laugh with the guys. And when it was my time, I'd make sure I warmed up, um, and then yeah, just I started to you you change before you go in there, you know. There's mm. you you have to become something like a sounds like you're becoming like an actor, but you're not. You're becoming you're about to go and have a fight. So and you, you go from chill to fight mode. Yeah, you don't you don't. I'm, I'm going in there and like as much as like you know me, Jay. Like I, I'm a nice guy. I like to think, but um, if we're gonna fight, you know, I'm I'm not losing. I'm you know I'm gonna put my my fist so far through your face that it's going to hurt, you know. I'm going to, you, I'm winning and you're not, you're, you're not taking that from me. I'm like, I'm so competitive that like, I will, I will keep going to the end, you know. Yeah. And so how did you make that shift? Was it once you told yourself, right, it's game time, then you'd start sort of giving yourself that psychological talking, like this is my fight, this is my win, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my hand lifted up. Yeah, all, all that. And it's just, I think, again, it comes that when it gets closer, it's the build-up, the nerves, things like that. It all starts adding together. And it's, you know, you just, yeah, you, you just go into your own little your own little world, your own little zone. And when it's going to go off, you know, I used to, so one of the things I used to love, which I've said to you I did, was when I would walk into the, the cage, I would just, as soon as I see them look at me, I would just like lock eyes. And I, personally, I would not look away I would just pace back and forwards and just step, just, I'd stare them down the whole time. Mm. As soon as they look away, I'm like, why are you looking away? Mm. I'm like, the, the fight starts now. Yeah. We even put hands on each other. And then like, when you walk to the centre, I'll just, just look them dead in the eyes and I just wanted to know that I was there and I wasn't going anywhere, you know? I'm not backing down. Did you ever feel like you'd beaten someone at that point? Like if they was looking away or if they appeared sort of nervous or agitated, did you ever think, I've got one up on him here, or yeah, I think yeah, I think you do because you know, ultimately it's a it's a mental game. If if you're in there and you want to be there, mm. you know, and and someone knows that you know I want to be here and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on you, this beating on you like bad. Mm. And this isn't gonna be like an easy 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 win or or you know I'm not here to lose. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think people know that who's serious and who's not when you you come face to face like that. If if you could sum up your cage fighting experience in, in a couple of sentences, you know, for you personally, what yeah. would you say? How would you how would you reflect on it and sum up? Uh, something I never planned to do, but I'm glad I did it. Uh, it taught me a lot, um, just about myself. And you know, if you want something, that's like one. That's that's like a real basic, like uh, human nature, if you like, is to, to fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it just kind of exploited that in me that I, you know, when I need it, it's there. Mm -hmm. And uh, or yeah, I think that's just it's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah, it's quite quite raw and natural to fight. And um, unfortunately, this what you know, human race. That's what we do. We fight uh, sometimes. And yeah, 
it's it's hardwired into us, isn't it? It's you know we've got an ancient body with ancient biological systems that it wasn't that long ago that we was being hunted. So mm. you know on your what is now you walk down to a supermarket to get some food. This was a walk or a run to get some hunt, but there is someone coming for you as well. So it's that survival of the fittest. You know only the strong survives. And, and um, yeah, I mean yeah. like when uh talking about like your natural instincts and stuff when um i remember a couple of times when i've been when i was fighting is uh like you know when you when when you're you're fighting and you get someone like, i remember one guy um i picked him up like uh off the cage up and i picked him up i kind of bounced him into the cage and lifted him up like i say hit him on my shoulder and his legs there and his head like was behind me i remember bouncing him off picking him up but I did it so hard. I didn't intentionally do it that hard, but I kind of did. I knew I was going to pick him up and slam him. Yeah. Kind of my body just went and I just remember just going so hard and just, so I thought I'm going with this. And I just remember he went to put his arm out, but he was so far off the ground. He's, he was like, his arm wasn't even reaching my hip. Got that, that sort of far mm. down. And I just remember landing him and making sure I put all my shoulder into him. And I just remember this massive noise coming out of him. <laughs> and uh, like saying about the instincts, as soon as I heard that, like you're saying about natural instinct stuff, I just remember it's kind of, I just something come over me and I just, I was just on top of him and I was just hitting him as hard as I could, as quick as I could. Mm. And my knees were on the floor. But I remember sort of, I've seen the, the DVD back. As I'm hitting him, I'm trying to generate so much power, like these hammer fists. I'm hitting him, but I like I'm bouncing off the floor and both my knees are coming off. And it's just, but at the time, you just, I don't know, you just kind of uh, switch flips and, you just go and I remember, yeah, just hitting him. And it's just that, that natural instinct of, you know, that's where the kill is and I'm going to get it. Yeah, it's like you say, it's that, it's that instinct that you're, you're going to come out on top. That's your only fault. You know, I'm doing everything I can to, yeah. to well, that's not me on the floor getting the hammer fist to me first. Exactly. I was hitting him in the neck, everything. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like for you re-watching your fights after? Or did, did you actually watch your fights after? Yeah, I'd always watch my fights after just to. Uh, was you a massive critic of yourself, or could you could you enjoy it? Uh, more just to see what I did. Yeah, just because some of it you do kind of you're in autopilot again, and just what happens happens. But um, yeah, I, I was watching to see what happened. And just there's nothing really. I don't know. It's, I guess it's a nice memory, somewhat to have that you know someone can see. You know, I, I can say I did this one day to my kids or something like that when I had kids. Yeah. Mm. On that note, then, so what what would you say if you got a son or a daughter said that she, you know they want to start MMA? What would be your thoughts? Yeah, go for it. You know, I as long as they know what they're getting into, then no, I didn't know, but um, I could say like as long as you're willing to put the work in and you know that you know this could affect your future or it depends how you go with it, what you do with it, then yeah, go for it. You know, I don't really want to want to stop them doing what they wanted to do. Yeah, it might be MMA, it might be something else, you know. Mm. So fast forward, then you you finish your fight career. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always known you as someone who's been athletic and and you know into your training. What did you do after that? Did you have to take some time out, or was you still sort of doing similar sort of fitness work, or what was your next port of call? So I had the Bama fight in two thousand twelve. Then I had a little break until 2015. 
where I had my next fight, and that was in February 2015. Um, and then after that, I I didn't really make a decision to retire, but I did in terms of like I wasn't actively looking for fights. I didn't start. I kind of stopped training uh, my jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and all that sort of stuff. And I just carried on like doing strength conditioning stuff, and you know just generally trained just to keep in shape. Um, yeah, just I don't know. I, I just from then I kind of just trained just to to keep fit and healthy, you know. Um, just because I enjoy training anyway. Um, and then from there, I think I was, so it was about a year after that, I uh, found uh, CrossFit, CrossFit CM2. How did you come across it or how did you hear about it? So, um, you know uh, Louis, Louis Beffo? You know Lou? Um, I'm not sure, do I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know Lou. She used to go down to Oh, yes, 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 I do, yeah, yeah. She's an absolute beast, mate. Yeah, yeah. So she used to train down Excel. Um, right, okay. Come and do like a Sunday circuits with us and stuff like that as well. Mm. Mate, she was, she's, she was fit. And um, yeah, anyway, so I kind of see some CrossFit on the, the TV or internet or something again. I thought I wouldn't mind seeing what that's about. But before that, I'd always... You know, it wasn't wasn't for me. I'd always it had a lot of bad rap around it about you know, uh, just not very technically good for people and or wherever it was. And um, yeah, anyway, I, I decided oh, I'm going to go see for myself. So I knew that Lou was doing it. So I said to her like, "Where would you recommend I go?" I've heard of this gym and this gym. Um, she said, "Yeah, try CM2. You'll love it." And uh, went down my I think on my first session. Uh, was with Rob, the owner, and uh, strict drink muscle up, and that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> You've done a strict muscle up on your first session. Yeah, yeah. For people that haven't got a clue what we're talking about, um, a strict muscle up is like a gymnastic movement that takes people years, not even months, years to to master and to get up, and just to show the level of athleticity that this guy's got. He, he does it in his free taster session. Uh, first time in a CrossFit gym, so and um, I remember Liam saying, he, Liam phoned me up. He went, "Oh, guess who's going CrossFit?" And I was like, "Just, just tell me." I don't know. He's like, "Buzzer." I was like, "Oh shit, he's <laughs> smashed this!" And um, yeah, you you've competed in multiple competitions. You are you are a beast in the gym as well as on the competition floor. <laughs> you instantly hooked. Yeah, more because more so because I couldn't do a lot of it. Right. Um, I remember, like, obviously, things like kipping pull-ups, never heard of butterfly pull-ups, never heard of it. Um, snatching, cleaning jerk, never heard of it. Um, so, yeah, for me, there was so much to learn. Um, but I was lucky that the basics in terms of, like, the compound stuff and just general strength, I kind of, from the strength conditioning and just my own general sort of, like, like, you know, enjoyment of training that I, I could uh, do a lot of the basics and was strong. Mm. So I picked a lot of it up fairly quick, but there was a lot of mobility issues with me because of uh, spending all that time hunched and ready to fight like this, you know, hands up by your face and then trying to do an overhead squat was a diff different ball game for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's, what is your favourite CrossFit movement? 
I'd say just a one rep max like clean or maybe uh, keeping me muscle-ups. Yeah, I've seen you putting some of those reps together. You're flying. <laughs> How long did would you say before you sort of felt um, not comfortable, but like, you know, you was getting somewhere. You'd gone from this beginner with so much to learn and so much to get your head around, um, you know, even the mobility stuff. But to a point where you thought, like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm feeling good. I'm moving with this. I'm, I'm feeling capable. I think again, it comes down to uh, the competitive side of me, mm. and obviously, like CrossFit's a bit notorious for people in the gym getting competitive and you know constantly racing and stuff. Mm. And uh, I think as soon as I thought there was a few guys in the the gym that were the the better guys, if you like, as soon as I started beating them in workouts and stuff like that or lifting more limb than I was, you know, which I think maybe was like a, considering there's so much to learn, I think was like about a year in, year and a half in really. Mm. And then like, you'd sort of like get invited to go and train with a couple of them for a weekend and, you know, things like that. It was, it was nice. Mm. And, and just to sh show people your calibre, I mean, you, you got, you qualified for um, a competition in Norway, right? Yeah, the the uh, Norwegian CrossFit Championships are sanctional. Yep. Was that last year or the year before? Uh, last year. Last year, right? Okay, so just before lockdown, then really? Yeah. Time, was it? February uh, last year. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was it like? Um, you know, going to such a, a big event in the CrossFit scene. Yeah, it was fun. It was um, everyone's there to do the same thing, do their best. Um, but it's not until you get somewhere like that and you see like the, the caliber of athlete there that you realize kind of what you've let yourself in for and you, uh, it, it makes you realize what your weaknesses are. Um, mm. But yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it, on, on such a big event like that, is it clear to see, you know, the levels between the, the top, top guys there? Yeah. Um, so, Oh, yeah, they, yeah. There's only one answer that. That's yes. You you can see who's like the standouts. I think um, obviously with those sort of competitions, it depends who who goes to that sanctional, who qualifies, and then who actually decides to take their invite. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there was one guy there, and he was just. I think he's in, the, in one of the teams, and he like power cleaned like 170 kilo. Mm -hmm. It's just you know people can't deadlift that, and he yeah. just picking it up, just catching it on his shoulders, you know. Making it look easy, I'm sure as well. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, so where are you at right now? Obviously, we're in a worldwide pandemic with with a lockdown. But I know the type of guy you are. You're not sitting still. You're not making excuses. You're um, no. You, you're still getting in some some back garden workouts and making it happen. That's it. So, for me, obviously, I enjoy working out um, and. You know, who knows how long this is going to go on. Um, so decided to invest in some equipment. I've got myself a barbell plates. Um, bought myself a pull-up bar. It's a big 70-kilo sandbag. Um, some dumbbells. Uh, yeah, just, you know, so I can move. Um, yeah, and just keep keep moving. Uh, Rob down at CM2 has been great. He's uh, lent us some kettlebells. Um, I've got one of their Rogue Gecko bikes here, um, which I've chose for some reason. I don't know why, because it's horrendous. The bike of death. It is. 
Um, you know, but then my view on that is if you're going to borrow something, borrow something you don't particularly enjoy and then get used to it. Yeah, attack your weakness, right? Exactly. Um, if someone listening to this, if, if you know, if they are, if they want to start getting moving or start getting training but just quite haven't got off the ground yet um, or, you know, might fancy giving a CrossFit session a try, what would your advice be to them? Just go. You know, there's the, the level of um, athlete or member down there, did you get people in their 60s, you get people in their 20s, all the way through. Um, everyone's at different levels, everything's scalable. So, you know, there might be one person lifting 20 kilo, there might be another lifting 100, but you're all in the same class, you're all having the fun together, um, and, it, you know, it's a good vibe. Mm. So every, everyone bounces off each other and, you know, it's just, it's like, a, it's a nice community to be part of. Mm. Now, I've had some some real great memories, uh, you know, from Friday Night Lights when they used to release the CrossFit Open workouts and, you yeah. know, buzz, buzz of the gym was electric, um, you know, competing against best part of half a million athletes around the world or, you know, pitching yourself. And for, for me, you know, I always remember Jason Kalipo as one of the, CrossFit OGs, um, someone ask him, you know, sum up what CrossFit means for you. Yeah. It's like one word, it's progression. It's yeah. like me against me. And it's like I'm still PRing. So, it, you know, even though there is that competitive element to it, you know, the biggest competition for me is, is the one against yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being, making sure or, or trying to get better and better and better, you know, with, with, um, with what you're doing so what's your um what's your outlook on the scene obviously things have stalled a minute but when when hopefully we get back to what was normal 2019 pre-covid vibes are you are you you know up for getting back into the competition games yeah for sure so um i recently signed up to the european champs uh yeah, I just uh, the open's still going ahead, I believe. Um, I don't, I haven't read into yet how it how it works in terms of. I don't think there's is there sanctions again, or is it was it reading? He he dropped a hint, Castro, that there's going to be like he said something like first there was regionals, next there's going to be continents, and it was like all the main continents around the world. So, so I, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to. If there's a sanctional again, I'd like to qualify for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, last year I kind of did it all on a bit of a whim, if I'm honest. Um, I kind of entered the Open and then realised through that you could qualify for the sanctionals. And uh, I didn't realise which ones you could and kind of read on it quickly. Um, and I, needed, I think doing the Open, you could qualify potentially for about five or six different uh, competitions. I think like the Brazilian one... Strength in depth, uh, Norwegian, uh, filthy one fifty in Ireland, um, and there I can't remember what other ones there were. Mm. Um, but yeah, I kind of did that last minute, really. Um, signed up and just tried to get into strength and depth, which I only just missed out on because um, they had a, a smaller field there. Uh, you know, the top ten, whereas Norway took the top twenty. Um, so where did you come last year in the Open? What worldwide? Or UK wide, where, where, do you know where you pitched? I think I didn't do as well as I did the year before. I think I come. 
I want to say either 13th or 17th, something like that. And that's, that's the first Masters group, is it? First Masters category. 35 to 39, yeah. Yeah. I think the year before I'll come 11th, I think. Right. And I just remember at the minute, you know, I just want to break that top 10 and, yeah. So that's happening this year then, yeah? Well, we'll see all this COVID going on, but that's the plan. <laughs> that's not the answer. Is that yes, I'm smashing that top 10. That is, don't worry about the top 10 in UK. You get hit that top 100 <laughs> in the world, you know? Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, Lee, we always ask our guests some um, sort of standard chasing discomfort podcast questions that I'd like to rattle off with you, if that's okay. Um, one of them, or the, the main one that I'd like to ask is, what is your non-negotiable rule for life? Um, God, negotiable rule for life. Just be yourself, no bullshit. You know, I can't, all this, one thing I'm a bit hot on that I don't particularly like is how much social media is, like people portray something and they're not actually that or, you know, you don't, you don't, they might take a, a million photos but they'll show you the one photo that makes them look good. Mm. That's not life, is it? You know, we all have good days, bad days and yeah, just kind of just be yourself. Yeah. Have you got a favourite quote? <sighs> Favourite quote? Uh, probably. What it is, I can't remember right now. Um, don't be a dick, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about a uh, number one life hack? I, I think one of the, the big big things that I do in life is uh, I don't react too quick, believe it or not. I, I'll, um, I might sit on things for five, ten minutes, think about it, mm. and then go back to something, you know. So I kind of think things for it. Staying calm is it's a superpower, isn't it? I've said this before on the podcast a couple of the guests. You know, if you're able to not see that red mist straight away, and, and again, you know, it is hardwired into us. We have that primitive monkey brain that wants to lash out and, and react, but you know that that moment of madness could lead to um, you know a, a world of pain. So it, it is a it is a big super super the chimp effect. Yeah. Have you read that book, The Chimp Paradox? I've not, no. The, the Chimp Paradox, yeah, no, I've not read it yet. But I'm yeah. not trying to. Yeah. Uh, on that note then, what, what, what's your favourite book or book that you've read more than once? Do you know, I've tried to get into reading so many times. I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm not the, not, I don't know, I was never that academic at school. I did okay, but, you know. Just... What, about, what about listening to audio books? you ever give that a go? No, but um, I think I've read uh, randomly what I did enjoy was Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Total Recall, his biography. Mm. Just a few things you didn't really realise about him, how good he was at business or is good at business, you know. That's mm. what I call read. Legend. Um, do you ever struggle? Like mentally, do you ever start feeling down? Do you have bad days, down days? Everyone does, right? Yeah, of course. It's just natural, normal, but um, rare, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a good family, good uh, other half with me, and yeah, I don't, I've got good friends. Um, you know, I, I, I look at it that there are people out there that don't get, don't get fed. You know, like uh, are homeless, but you know, I've got a job, I can afford 
to eat what food I want. And, you know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm privileged, somewhat far more privileged than a lot of people. So, you know, well worried. Yeah. You know, but that's one of my, one of my, um, I suppose, things I like to go by in life is don't stress. Mm. Try not to, because, you know, everyone stresses, but, you know, getting upset, does crying solve anything? No. Does getting stressed about something solve it? No. Mm. You know, you just got to sit there, think about it and get, get the job done. I've always said, why, um, why worry about if it's going to rain tomorrow? Yeah. You know, like control the controllables. You've got no, no control over that whatsoever. What you can control is the way you react to your environment. You can't manipulate or control the environment. Exactly. Um, on the point of food then, if you could pick one dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? What's your favourite dinner? Between two? Nah, just one. <laughs> between two I'd... go on give me two more than likely burger and, and chips but yeah. maybe pizza pizza yeah yeah one how, about, how about like a burger pizza like a oh, crazy <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite film uh, uh, I watched Equalizer recently that was good again mm. it was a good film um yeah, I don't really have a favourite. There's too many good films to choose from. Yeah. Oh, Denzel is good, though. Um, favourite exercise movement? Probably a clean. Yeah. What about least favourite? Um, maybe the real sort of like hollow holds and things like that, like gymnastics, real basic ab stuff. I don't, I don't ever do sit-ups or anything like that. Yeah, they get pretty brutal, don't they? They they look they look easy, but they definitely ain't. They definitely are. Uh, favorite sport to watch or do? Not take part in either. Either or both. Let's go with both. Probably motocross. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That's or, cross, or CrossFit because you know I'm, I'm doing it at the minute, and it's kind of what I'm. I know. If I watch it, I know what they're going through, but at the same time, having to go it is, you know, it's fun. Mm. Uh, dream car? Dream car. Probably something like a AMG G-Wagon, something like that. Nothing too crazy. G-Wagon, G-Wagon. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. Um, I always ask everyone this, but I should maybe I should know your one, but what was your ring walk song? Oh, so I had a couple. Um so I think my very first song was uh, Renegade by Jay-Z and Eminem. Right, okay. Um, what else have I walked out to? Bad Boys for Life, PDD. Yeah. Uh, when, when you hear any of your ring walk songs now, does it give you sort of like... I'm, I'm like, oh, you know this song? Yeah, I walked out for that one. Um, <laughs> and I had a couple of times, I had one of my uh, friend now... Uh, my Diggy or Maestro uh, actually like performed for me while I walked out. That was really cool. Uh, you find him on Spotify and uh, My Diggy, I believe. Mm. He's, he's yeah, his stuff's he's cool, man. Nice. Um, Favorite sweet treat? Anything you want for dessert, Bosch? What is it? I pretty much have chocolate every day at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe. 
probably brown. If I was out and I could choose, probably it'd be a brownie and uh, vanilla ice cream, like a real nice, you know. Yeah. I've got into brownies recently. I've been smashing the life out of them. I, I know, I see it. <laughs> I just, uh, I love it, yeah. And you can never go wrong with salted caramel Hagen dazs. That's just, uh, that's my that's my Achilles heel. Coffee ice cream, bro. Coffee ice cream, yeah. Coffee ice cream, cafe latte out of uh, Tesco's finest winner. Yeah, are you Look, a coffee man? Do you drink coffee every day? Yeah. Uh, so I recently got bought for uh, my birthday uh, like a coffee press. Right. Okay. But I'm having a lot of coffee. <laughs> are you are you one of these dudes that like weighs out their grams in? Nah, you just a couple of scoops in and we're going. Bonk it in and he's gone. Uh, what's your mantra when the going gets tough? So what, like, what do you think if you're deep in a workout and your your body's screaming at you to stop and you've got a couple of minutes to go or you're chasing down that first place, what what, what are you thinking about? I want first place. I want to win. So from, just like there's no, you know, I look if, if I'm against people, I can look across and I'm just like, I'm, yeah, I'm, as soon as I see them stop, I think I'm going to keep going. Mm. So, yeah, it's just the competitiveness in me. I don't even have a mantra. It's just that's what's in me to do, you know? Yeah, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. Cool. Epic, mate. Epic. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Where can people find out more about you, Lee? Uh, so I've got uh, Insta at Lee Ninja W. Um, yeah, pretty much on there, really. Um, I've got Facebook, but don't really use it. But yeah, just oh, Insta's probably the best. Uh, yeah, but appreciate having me on, man. Appreciate it a lot. No, appreciate your time, buddy. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Let's do it. Keep chasing that discomfort. Yeah, buddy. <laughs>